This is Shifting Our Schools, episode 115, Virtual School Tips and Recommendations. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Well, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. This week, I want to dig into this idea of virtual school as it seems to be a hot topic at the moment. The NCCE 2020 conference here in Seattle has just wrapped up, NCC being the Northwest Council for Computer Education, being our regional ISTE sponsored conference with somewhere around 1,500 participants coming together each year to share their learning. Being in Seattle and with the coronavirus spreading throughout my state, virtual school was a hot topic. One of the sessions I ran was titled Tech Coaches Unite. This session brought rough, brought together roughly 50 tech coaches to share and learn from each other. I asked how many of them were involved in virtual school talks at the moment due to the coronavirus, and roughly 20 districts raised their hand. I personally have had experience with going virtual school three times in my career, and every time it was similar yet different due to the technology we had available to us. In 2003, in Saudi Arabia, due to terrorism in the country, I helped my school set up and run a Moodle server to do virtual school. In 2005, in Shanghai, I helped to set up, run, and train teachers to go virtual school, through my, though we didn't end up closing due to SARS. In 2009, in Bangkok, I helped to train, facilitate, and overseas virtual school due to flooding and the H1N1 virus in Bangkok. We used WordPress blogs as teacher websites for that uh, virtual school scenario. In 2011, I worked with senators and the State Department in Washington, D.C. to help fund a global virtual school installment for international schools to use in case of emergencies in the future. Each one of these experiences was drastically different due to the technology that was available at the time. For example, the iPhone was only three years old and smartphones were just taking off in 2010, the last time I was really trying to set up a virtual school. So here are some lessons I've learned, as well as recommendations I have currently given schools when they ask me for advice on preparing for virtual school in an emergency. Lessons learned. Number one, you can't just flip the virtual school switch. If you did not require that every teacher in the district must use the adopted LMS or learning management system, aka Classroom Canvas Schoology, before now, you're too late. In most cases, you will not have time to train both staff and students on how the LMS will work or does work before you find yourself in virtual school. On the other hand, if teachers using the LMS is required in your district and they have been using it and trained students on how to use it since the beginning of the school year, congratulations, you're going to rock this. Number two, digital worksheets uploaded to your LMS for students do to do at home are one, boring, two, frustrating for parents, three, frustrating for students, four, in general, are not good teaching practices, and five, not truly taking advantage of the opportunity you have in front of you. Next, in the two times that I was in virtual school, we learned that teachers often gave way too much work for students to do at home. 
Most educators are not trained in online learning, which is different than traditional or even a blended learning format that most teachers find themselves in day to day. In a fully online learning environment, you must rethink the time you allow students to complete tasks. This was our number one takeaway from virtual school in 2010 in Bangkok. Both parents and students felt that they were doing way more quote-unquote busy work, see number two above, and were frustrated, especially at the middle and high school level. Number four, every assignment must be rethought. You cannot just take what you were going to do on Monday and do it anyway by just putting it into Google Classroom, Canvas, or Schoology, or whatever LMS you are using. You need to rethink every lesson that you did. Number five, last but not least, seize the moment. Both in Shanghai and in Bangkok, we turned a negative into a positive by being able to, shall I say, require teachers to up their technology skill and usage for virtual school. Once virtual school was over, those skills remained, and we saw an increase in the use of those skills back in the traditional blended learning classroom after virtual school had ended. Now, here are my recommendations for virtual school in 2020. If you did not require every teacher to be using the school-adopted LMS, video, video, video. We need to stop thinking in terms of what can students type and start thinking in terms of how can students show me what they know. Start by training every teacher how to make videos for instruction. Use Screencastify, Screenomatic, Flipgrid. There's a video built into Schoology. There's video built into Canvas. I don't care. Just pick the one that best fits your system and train every teacher on how to make good instructional videos. What does a good instructional video look like? Here's research out of Vanderbilt University on what should and should not be in your video. And you can find a link to that research in the show notes below. But here are some of the tips. No longer than six minutes. Perfectly, it should be between three and five minutes. If your video is going to be longer than six minutes, make it into two videos. Your video must be casual. It must sound like you. It must look like you. And remember, it's for your kids. They want to see you. They want to feel as if they are in class with you. Now, here's how I would break this down depending on the different age group that you might teach. If I were a K-2 teacher or I was a coach supporting K-2 teachers, all you need is Flipgrid. If I was in the school today and we found ourselves quickly going into virtual school mode, I would make sure every K-2, well, every teacher really, but especially K-2 teachers, had a Flipgrid account set up and that parents had the app downloaded on their phone. During virtual school, teachers could post questions to students via Flipgrid and students could do some investigation and post video responses back to the teacher. Teachers could read to students and ask comprehension questions. Teachers could pose a math question and students could film themselves solving the math problem with homemade manipulatives in their house. Honestly, this one app is all you need. For more ideas, check out hashtag FlipgridFever on Twitter, which teachers are constantly sharing ways they are using this incredible app. If you use Seesaw, that would work as well. Grade three through five teachers, one subject a day. Have students focus just on one subject a day in virtual school. Do not try to recreate the entire school day, day after day after day. For example, you might set your schedule up to be Monday is reading writing, Tuesday is math, Wednesday is science, Thursday is social studies, Friday 
might be your any specials that you have, or might be your 20% time where kids are free to create something on their own. By having students focus on one subject a day, you can support both student learning and parents trying to support their students at home. Again, video instruction will be key, and whenever possible, set up lessons that allow students to submit video for their assignment. If I was a if I was in a 3-5 classroom, I would only set up one written question-response sort of activity a week. That would focus on learning. It would be my writing activity on my Monday where I would ask students some sort of prompt and expect students to respond to it and to each other. One a week, that's it. Everything else would be video. Now, middle and high school teachers. During virtual school, we need to remember that we're in a situation because something else is going on in our lives. Please do not expect students to do the same amount of work they would have done if you would have had them face-to-face with you in the same amount of time. It just won't happen. You'll be frustrated, students will be frustrated, parents will be frustrated, and then you've lost them. Remember, learning, even in virtual school, is about relationships. So check in with your students. Ask them how they are doing, what they might need from you for support. Make sure there is space for everyone to talk about how they are feeling and what is going on in their lives. Work together with teachers from other departments, not to overwhelm students with work. Again, uploading PDF worksheets for students to do is not what virtual school is about. Powerful learning can still happen if you take advantage of the technology we have available today. I would recommend that each subject only assign things two days a week and make those days back-to-back so students can focus and so that teachers could actually create longer assignments for students to do. Here might be a schedule that I would set up with a school. Monday, ELA and Science. Tuesday, ELA and Science. Wednesday, Math and Social Studies. Thursday, Math and Social Studies. Friday and over the weekend, electives, and PE. By making the days back-to-back, you allow for longer, larger projects. This gives students space and time to finish projects and allows them to chunk their learning into sizable, manageable pieces. It will also give teachers time to prepare lessons they are not used to preparing and time to assess any work that needs grading. Again, video is the key. Teachers making three to five minute instructional videos for students and also requiring students to periodically respond in video would be taking full advantage of the technology we have in 2020 and is best practice today. If appropriate, using Google Hangouts, Skype, or Zoom video conferencing for real-time instruction would be a huge bonus. Do not make it required, but an optional hangout time with your friends and your teacher would help to make it feel as if school is still really happening. Lastly, keep it simple. Don't overthink it and have fun with your students. Learning can and still will occur. It won't be perfect, but your classroom is rarely perfect in person, so take advantage of this time with your students. Remember too, if you are in a virtual school situation, something serious is going on and kids will be struggling to make sense of things. Be respectful of that. Be respectful of families, their time together, and their individual circumstances. Just like in the classroom, one size doesn't fit all. Good luck, and let me know if I can support you in the future. This podcast is also on my blog at thethinkingstick.com if you'd like to read the full transcript.
If you are looking for help or want to share resources around virtual school, we have set up a Tech Coaches Unite Slack account for tech coaches to share resources and support each other in different topics. Virtual school being the hot topic of the hour in our community. You can join our Slack community by going to sospodcast.org and clicking on the Tech Coach Unite button at the top. Next week's episode will also cover this topic of virtual school as I sit with John Micton, the IT director at the International School of Luxembourg, where I happen to be this week, and who, like me, has been in virtual school mode before and is currently preparing his school to go into virtual learning. Exciting to share, he is excited to share his knowledge with you all next week. Until then, good luck, stay safe, and we'll see you on the network. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.